Welcome to the World Awakening Podcast, a production of Invenari, a community centered around following the deep longings, discovering our unique gifts daily, becoming the change we wish to see in the world, and leaning into the mysteries of life. This is something we all do together. Your invitation into this journey begins right now. Welcome to another conversation from World Awakening. We are the ones we've been waiting for. I'm Mark Wallstrom, and with me today is Nick Melville. Hello. Welcome, Nick. So our conversation today is going to focus on what is awakening? We're, we're calling this World Awakening. We are the ones we've been waiting for. So this idea of waking up, this idea of awakening, awakening to consciousness, greater consciousness, that's what we're kind of looking at here. How is it distinct from maybe personal growth or self-help or things of that nature? So we're going to explore this today, and uh, we're going to start by just kind of saying, why wake up? Why would one go toward a conscious and intentional life of waking up? Yeah, well, we were kind of already started talking about this, but um, things remain the same. I mean, you still have the same, your car will break down or stuff like that will still happen, but it's really a distinction and quality of life. Um, so when your car breaks down um, and you have a lot of important things to do and you're kind of asleep into your egoic state, uh, you start worrying a ton. Uh, how are you going to get to work? Are you going to lose your job? If you lose your job, how are you going to pay your bills? Da, 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 da. And you got family, possibly, and you're taking care of your family. How are you going to do all that? Da, 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 da. Whereas if you're awake and your car breaks down, you go, okay, this has happened. How do I want to respond? And then you start listing your options in a disinterested way. Or you're not thinking of... Uh, your identity being tied to your ability to transport yourself to more. Okay, we have a transportation problem. What are the options to overcome this? Um, so it's less, it's not anxiety ridden or stress based, but you're still solving problems. You're just doing it in a non panicked uh, way because you kind of see that uh, everything that's happening to you is just as much you as anything else. So for some reason, uh, this is what's happened. And uh, this is where you're going. So where are you going to go next? And because you're disinterested, um, you see more options. You're not as panicked. You see more opportunity. And then uh, you can 
go towards those opportunities without uh, guilt or fear of success or uh, fear of failure because whatever happens, happens. And uh, you might even see more opportunities by taking chance on the none. Um, so it just kind of changes the quality of life. Um, not necessarily the content of life. Things are still going to happen. But their impact on you is very different. Um, so yeah, waking up is, you said, it gives you options. And I think it gives us options because in a, in a wakeful state, we're aware of what's going on. We're aware of what is. We're in the present moment. We're not time traveling. We're not, you know, trying to navigate through multiple thoughts and ideas and mental commentaries and stories that are coming up in our head like you, you referenced. We're, it, there's, a, there's a purity to being in the moment, being conscious, being awake, and being aware. And that does leave options because if we're not awake, or really there's degrees of it as yeah. well, if we're functioning more out of a state of unconsciousness rather than consciousness, we are falling into patterns, habits, conditioning, and things that go way back in our histories. And so we're always at the effect of those patterns and that conditioning. And that, I think, really it disempowers us. It's disempowering because we lose options. It enslaves you. We just keep cycling through the same things and wondering why the results continue to be familiar. Uh, you know, I think the whole idea of suffering is is to keep stumbling through our unconscious patterns and wondering, you know, uh, why does this continue to happen? There's there's that definition of insanity, you know, continuing yeah. to do the same thing and looking for different results or expecting different results. So I would also say that... Um, Consciousness is not so esoteric. It's just very practical. It's, it's right here, right now. You and I are sitting across from each other. We're having a conversation, and this is the only thing that's going on for either one of us. We're just we're focused in. Right. We're right in the moment here. And so the benefit is I don't have to lose and deplete my, my energy my life force, uh, navigating and moving through or coming up against all these interior blocks and barriers. There's just a freedom of movement. Um, you know, it's called flow. There's, a, there's an ease of being when one is awake and can see really what's going on both externally and internally. And that's a really important part too is uh, consciousness or being awake is I'm aware of what's happening internally for me. What kinds of thoughts are arising? What's going on at the level of feelings? What's happening, you know, with all the internal stories and things of that nature? That gives me a level of freedom. Yeah. And then with freedom, you can create meaning. Because otherwise, it's really not there. 
Yeah, and if it's not there, then we're always kind of trying to construct it or trying to go after something that we think is going to deliver that for us. Yeah, we're looking to something other than ourselves to give us meaning, which there really isn't. Um, So once you have the freedom, you can actually say, now I will create this meaning, and you're conscious of that, that you've created this meaning, and it has more... uh, value to you because it's something you created to me and it's like an artwork you know you create the art piece you've uh, finished it and then you'll also learn to walk away from it too yeah some of the words other descriptive words that come to mind are living in uh living in the present moment living in what would be original creative, authentic, something that isn't coming from my egoic nature, which is which has been constructed over time, and it's what I think I probably need to do right now, or this is going to gain me acceptance or approval in some manner. Uh, it's more of that sense of this just this just resonates, but it's not a thought. It's just a natural, maybe the word natural or nature, true nature. I'm simply living, speaking, acting out of what would be the true nature of my being. And uh, there's no confinement then. Yeah. There's, there's There's a wide open sense of possibility in every moment of being able to respond with something new and fresh and original and and in the moment and to yeah. me that's what life that's what life really offers us that's the opportunity in life is to be there in the moment and we were talking earlier about how unsettling that can be yes because if I'm not acting out of my persona self, if I'm not, you know, speaking and behaving in ways that are familiar to me and other people, who am I then? If I'm, if I'm not my ego, then who am I? Well, really, there is a sense of loss, but I think it's just a perception. Right, yeah. So... Um in the uh, mindfulness practice that I like to use, which is uh, phenomenological mindfulness, which is a fancy philosophical word, uh, we learn that I is a abstract concept that I create from experience. Um, So in the moment I'm experiencing sitting at a table and then my mind creates the idea well if there's experiencing there must be an experiencer but there's no point in which I say ah there's the experiencer so what I learn is that the concept of I is just a thought it's not here it's not now um, and then how much attention I give to that thought uh, gives it more and more life. And if I give it my full attention, which is what happens 
when one is kind of asleep, uh, it takes over like a program that takes over and makes my decisions for me. And uh, that's where you get stuck in the familiar, as you were mentioning before, where you have repeated patterns and you don't understand why. Well, that's because it's a program that repeats itself. You know. So once you recognize that I uh, is just a thought, uh, you could be free from it. But that makes people afraid because we live in a society in which, uh, or a culture in which, we're told, um, be your separate, unique, individual selves. And I think um, in our society, where we're such a large group of people... Um, that being the United States. Yeah, yeah. Or even if we started kind of expanding out of that and being like, how about the community of people who have internet access, right? <laughs> Which is a very large community of people. What we discover is there's so many people, there is no way to be unique or individual. Any job you do can be probably done by at least a million other people. Um, and so we start to struggle for our identity in this large group of people. And some of us will do some very extreme, crazy things to get attention. And, and I think this is all because we've kind of kept telling everyone be your unique individual selves, and we have no idea what that is. So we're trying to push ourselves, and then that's a waste of energy, and we feel stressed and anxious. But what we're trying to offer from a different perspective is go, yeah, there is no self. Stop doing that. Stop trying, as I love to do. Um, you're not who you think you are. <laughs> right. And uh, You can let it go. Right. And all of a sudden you realize that you're just as much the experienced as the experiencer, which means that you're everything. And then you can relax and let go. Yeah. That's a, that's a big transition on one level, and yet... We're so used to, you know, having uh, things structured and known and or, or so we think or believe that, you know, I have to I have to construct a life that's going to be predictable. So this waking up, it's not something that one has to do. No, it's something that we have to unlearn our way back to. I would say, again, what we offer is the sense that you're not broken, you're not defective, and that is the script, the internal script that comes for many of us in uh, very young years of life Something's not okay with me. I'm not good enough. That goes from being an occasional thought to a belief as it gets reinforced over time. And then after a... that, it becomes, as you mentioned, part of the identity. So mm -hmm. what, what waking up really is in a very simplistic description is an unlearning our way back to 
our essence, our truest nature, our, our just sense of being. So that requires that we immediately start to expand our awareness in more moments so that we can see all the ways in which we've constructed this ego nature. Yeah, it's pretty much a framework that we lay over our experience that we use to interpret our experience. But like these things get ingrained. Like if you take the saying, nobody's perfect, right? Just stop and ask yourself, how do you know that? Right? Um, have you evaluated every person? And then by what standard would you measure their perfection? Right? And where did you get that standard? Right? And all of a sudden, as you're asking these questions, well, the saying's just dumb. Yeah. But I mean, you mess up and you go, well, nobody's perfect. And you just walk away, right? And then the question is, did you mess up? You know, was it a bad rule that you were trying to accord with, you know? Um, and all of a sudden you have no direction, you have no guidelines, and you're free, right? But that freaks people out, and they're like, no, 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 I need I need some standards here, you know? Yeah, freedom is a very frightening yeah. prospect or experience. And yet, you know living in the constraints or repressed expression has its own measure of suffering and consequences as well. So um, when I first heard about the idea of unlearning our way back, it, it was so novel and refreshing that it was hard for me to really grasp. <laughs> and yet, Again, the simplicity of this is one doesn't have to build a new and improved self. One just needs to let that go. And being able to see all of the manner of which this ego persona has been constructed is the beginning of the the movement toward freedom. So... What I'm talking about specifically is being able to see your fixations, your internal blocks and barriers. Your programming. Your programming, which comes along with expectations of self and others, and, and, uh, and it comes with maladaptive coping strategies because... The experience of freedom is so unsettling that I feel more comfortable often just going into some kind of coping strategy so I don't have to feel that. Sometimes I don't want to feel the um, emotional experiences that are coming through, you know, the feeling states, the, the anger, the frustration, the fear, or something like that. Um, but sometimes the expansive quality of real freedom is unsettling, as we mentioned as well. So mm -hmm. unlearning is simply being able to see what's going on in any moment and make a different choice. Yes. And that is, I am not going to do that any longer. And that is not choices. the way I am going to respond 
or act or live. And so by not doing that, there's not the depletion of the energy in the moment. And there's an opportunity then to respond more out of what's coming through right now. Yeah. And what's unique about what we're offering is we're not here to tell you that it's absolutely necessary. It's actually quite irrelevant whether you do this or not. The question is more, do you want to be happy or not? Um, uh, Do you want to be contentful all the time? Or do you want to go along with the human drama and play character of Billy loves Sally and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could do that. And just like your favorite TV shows or. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, I identify with that character. All right. All right. Or you can live at peace. So um, those who want to live it in peace uh, and have this kind of eternal state of peace while living. uh, Yes. Yes. It's not. Somewhere down the road beyond this lifetime. It's It's now. It's now. So, um, yeah, it's important, I think. The ego's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with an an ego, a persona, a personality. Unless it's unchecked. It's just limited. (laughs) Then you take over the world. It's just limited in (laughs) in its expression because there is a confinement around that whole structure yeah you know so so yeah we're not here to you know sell anybody on the idea of waking up it's like you know what brings people to this to this path what is it we were talking about it earlier i think we named four main causes that drive people here um, I think we said suffering, longing, uh, an open heart, mm-hmm. or knowledge. Uh, yes. So uh, I suppose we could go for those. Suffering is the suffering creates the most desire to be here. I mean, it's often with uh, the people that I help and guide, um, where they kind of go. Oh, I kind of like being this ego thing, and I go, yeah, go ahead, you know, and then when you get sick of the suffering, then you come back, you know, so it's just like, and uh, people eventually get there, because honestly, I don't think the ego's supposed to be there your whole life, I think it's, helps you, you know, it helps you find a job, and then it helps you pick a role, and grow a family, but ultimately, it's a tool, it's not who you are, and, um, once you realize it's a tool, then you want to know who you are, and then it gets real mystical and philosophical, and people start going, oh, this is trippy, and everything else, yeah. There's no need to crush the ego, defeat it, you know, put up the big fight against it or anything like that. It's just more more metamorphosis, you know, just the ego eventually metamorphosizes into something beyond its limitation. Yeah, the pain comes from identifying with the ego, not the ego. Yes. Well said. Say more about the identification with the ego. Well, we we like to 
identify. That's um, that's why we can sit down and watch TV for like three hours and not move, which is really a weird practice if you think about it. I think I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but um, the idea of like if you watched a human being as if you were watching them in a zoo and uh, you see them walk into their cave and uh, they sit down and they look at a screen that has blinking lights on it and doesn't don't move for like three hours you'd be like what is wrong with this thing Um, so it's kind of what happens when we're doing that is we just get start being told a story and in that story, we get interested and we start identifying with one or more of the characters in the story. We cheer for them. Um, we have all these uh, things on social media where you take personality quizzes to see what character you're like on that show and stuff like that. And you go, I am this, right? And, and the power of saying I am can make you just sit around and watch a blinking light. You or know? the power of identifying with a larger group. Yeah, I belong to this. Right, like a sports team or, you know, a city or a, a nation. So we say, I am this, and then we fall asleep right into that. So when the ego comes in and the ego, you know, helps you identify what your job is and helps you develop relationships, you immediately go, I am this, and then you have identified with the ego. So with the awakened state, uh, it's more going, oh, this is what's happening right now. And uh, you don't, you'll talk and you're late, just like normal people do. But when you say, I'm hungry, you know that you're just simply calling out a need that the body has communicated to consciousness. And that's it. Not that you are hungry, you know. Uh, or hungriness, if you want to say it that way. Well, it's like a person saying, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. Right. Well, no, that's not, it's not your, your being, your essence. It's, it's a phenomenological experience that you're having. Yes, yeah. You know, as a person, as a identified being in your mind. So, um... Staying with this sense of suffering that, you know, suffering and pain that bring people to this desire to come out of it. Yeah, there was a great metaphor, I thought, from um, Jay Krishnamirti, where he said that, uh, you know, if you were in a room and there was a snake in that room and that snake bit you, and uh, caused you a tremendous amount of pain from its poison and its fangs, uh, you run out of that room. What's the likelihood of you going back in that room, <laughs> right? So uh, that's kind of the suffering we're talking about, is that you've experienced the suffering uh, so much so that you're like, nope, nope, not doing that again, you know. Um and, you know, uh, the awakening part and with the help of, you know, spiritual practices and a guide, you can put on armor so that will never happen again. But still go back in that room and get the snake out is really what it comes down to. Um, 
without any hurt worry about it even penetrating your armor you know um so that's the sort of suffering it has a more of an impact you're more likely to disidentify with your ego and do something else um than any of the other options yeah Yeah, we're referring to individual suffering but there's also the collective suffering Uh, we're having this conversation in march of 2019 and by by many, by many people's accounts, we're in a very, very difficult time right now, collectively. Not just in the United States, but around the world. There's, there's a lot. If people are describing this as an age of darkness, uh, feeling like there's just a lot of darkness, ignorance, and uh, disorder. Certainly, if you listen to the news or pay attention, the violence that's going on, the mass murders, mass shootings. So we're suggesting with World Awakening that the collective suffering, what's happening at the societal level, can change, but not in the manner in which it's happening right now. So we're, we're going to save that for another podcast of how change happens. But it, it, it's important to recognize that um, societal shifts and changes happen when individuals make change. And what we're suggesting is the process of waking up if enough people are moved to do that, then change will happen on a greater level and it'll be beyond what our current manner of trying to solve problems is bringing us instead of governments and... Yeah, no leader is going to change you for you. You have to change and then perhaps you might not even need a leader, but... Um, it's you that has to do the the part. Nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah, we're, if we want to, Mahatma Gandhi's known for one of his many quotes, and that is, um, be the change you wish to see in the world. So if we really want things to be different, if, we really uh, recognize the divisiveness that's happening between us, the, the violence that's happening, um, the fact that life is not working for a lot of people. The best thing we could do is to make a change at our own yeah. level of functioning and yeah. then bring that into, the, into our interactions and our exchanges and, um, you know, be somebody who's actually living consciously. Yeah. Well, you don't. I like. I like that line of uh, you don't make peace with friends. You make peace with enemies. You know. So if you want peace in your life, you have to make peace with enemies. Mm-hmm. You have to make peace with life. You know. Um, and uh, you know, because a lot of people go, "Oh, the problem of life." You know. And I always, there's another line where I go, hmm, 
what are we talking about? You know, um, when did it become a problem? Does that mean death is a solution? Because uh, uh, how would we know that? You know, <laughs> it's like so. Uh, these are these lines that get thrown around uh, culturally uh, that we just kind of go, huh? And then you know, even if we don't agree with it, we just say it. We're, we're programming ourselves to agree with it and live by it in some way and uh they're they're not true right you know it's like problem of life what's the what's what does that mean <laughs> you know and uh you know we so we we need to i suppose make peace with life embrace it this is what it does and then learn to flow with it uh move with it as opposed to fight it because the more you resist it the more it resists you i think we can say that being awake being conscious being present in the moment um, brings us into a more harmonious way of being with each other even though we're going to continue to have differences yeah on many levels there's 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 more of a harmonious, congruent way of being with each other. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, we have options. We have options and ways of living in and among our differences without needing to go toward, you know, the distressing, tension-filled arguments and debates and diatribes and monologues that happen. And so uh, suffering, as we're saying here, is a primary motivator for a lot of people to yeah. go towards something yeah. different and waking up. The other thing we mentioned is longing. And uh, you will... You will be able to uh, listen to a podcast that Gene Reed Bailey and I did that's going to be on our selection of options of podcasts where we talk specifically about longing. But um, right now, the idea of longing is, is just simply that something internal is is drawing us. Maybe it's... Maybe it feels internal, but something, some kind of, some kind of force or influence is drawing us to keep moving toward that which we don't yet know and understand. That's my sense. And so the waking up process is simply I want to continue having a direct experience of that unknown, that, that which is pulling me, you know, toward more. Yeah, I would say in that, um, it sounds like the longing itself is a form of suffering, right? So, like, there's a, it reminds me of, um, like, the Taoists will go, uh, if you want to be happy, stop trying to be happy, kind of thing, right? So, and then the, I want to continually have this direct experience, I want duration because that's more pleasurable than pain well you're already creating identity now right i'm this not that you know and uh the problem continues
What about knowledge? People will say, well, I'm, I'm doing this focused spiritual work or I'm, I'm trying to wake up because I want to gain knowledge. Right. Well, you know, there are those who pursue, you know, truth through study and books and academia, which is, you know, fun, challenging puzzles. There's no doubt. And uh, some of us will get lost in a interesting scientific experiment or like, well, what's going to happen? You know, and that's cool and fun and exciting. And But um, what are we going for here, right? Well, we, we're going for truth, right? And um, in order to build uh, knowledge, you must start with certain truth. And uh, certainty is found uh, in merely being, right? So if you want to build a knowledge based on certainty, you have to become familiar with being itself. And so that um, that's a journey and an experience. Um, now, the temptations of... Um, egoic life and you know adventure and stuff like that they play a factor so it's the knowledge path you really have to be disciplined in it otherwise um you'll get diverted and distracted and um you might lose out but some people are that disciplined you know and they don't need the additional suffering to get there, um, and that's that's good. But you you have to you have to start with certainty, and certainty is well, I am sorta. Yeah, there's I amness going on. It's not that there's an I. There's experiencing happening, and there's the experienced, and then I have this idea of I, but there's no I. I see. So, as long as I keep aware that I created this I, then should be safe, you know. But at the moment I forget that I created the I, that's usually when the problems begin. Um, and uh, stuff like that. So, there, there is a way of coming at this just through pure knowledge. Um, but when I think you, of knowledge, I, I really come to a sense of knowing. Okay, yeah. So, to me, it's it's not an intellectual grasping, because that's a grasping. Yes, yes. My sense is that knowledge comes through as a sense of knowing. So there isn't, there's no second guessing it. Right. You can call it, oh, this resonates, or this is this is just coming through, and there's there's no sense of it. You know, there's a sense of rightness to it. Um, knowing we just act on it without having to go into the intellectual mindset of, you know, assessing it or trying to uh, sort it out, analyze it, things like that. There's just a sense of knowing. There's different names for it, you know, intuition, instinct, um, Holy Spirit, uh, you know, any number of things that suggest that there is just a sense of knowing what is coming through. 
is something I can just embody right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot to go into it. Like we can, we can explore it at some point, but there's a, you know, it's kind of like, you know, one plus one equals two. Yes. Okay. We know that's true. Right. But how do we know that's true? Well, we have mathematical fact, right? So it accords with mathematical fact. And we say yes. And then we go, what is that feeling of accordance? Okay. And then all of a sudden we start to go, oh, you know, accordance has perceived, right? Perceived in what, right? And then we go, consciousness and being, right? And then we're back to that deep knowing, as you're yeah. saying, right? That yeah. there's there's no doubt that that's perceived, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the deep knowing is something that has to be perceived in the moment. And... One of the, I think, prime, one of the prime practices of waking up is becoming quiet. Yes. Becoming quiet in a manner where one can actually be present and not be at the effects of either a lot of fragmented thoughts or mental constructs or overwhelmed by emotional states and reactivity or even, you know, going into diversions around the pain body. The well, you know, silence, emptiness, and nothingness is pure energy. So as you start to create more silence and nothingness in your head, the more alive you start to feel the more energized you start to feel you know it's when uh it's when you're bogged on with thoughts that you get tired yeah yeah and then there's the uh the other one we mentioned of some people are in a continual process of waking up which which to me it is it's not a destination yeah right. it's like a continual process of evolving I'm I'm waking up now, and five minutes from now, I'm still waking up. Yeah, I'm, I'm expanding that consciousness. However, there are there are some people who really just have, whether we call them saints or mystics or that that just have an open heart and a desire to serve. And so, really, I do believe we have people who are living and walking among us that show us what it's like to be alive yeah. in a state of consciousness, what it's like to be awake. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but we also kind of experience these things on um, kind of a nominal level, right? So, like, for instance, people go dancing, right? Why? Right? <laughs> so they go... They go into this place, and the music plays, and they start dancing. But what is it? What's happening? And they t- they'll describe it like the music is giving them energy, and and they're doing it because they want to feel alive, right? That's the energy. Right? So, if you want to feel alive, you have to cultivate the 
the mindset to have the energy. Well, to have that, you have to get quieter and quieter. And then you feel more aware, more sensitive to everything that's happening to you. I mean, people take drugs for that reason to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point, too. Um, You know, the use of uh, LSD, psilocybin, cannabis... uh, those, uh, many people describe their experiences with those as being a state of wakefulness. Yeah, it does give you a glimpse. I think it's a glimpse. Yeah. I think it provides a window uh, to a view that's not available or accessible in normal day-to-day functioning out of the egoic uh, structure and limitations. So... I yeah there's there's views there's expanded views that that we can access to but really I think the waking up process is one where one has to continue to walk the walk yeah well you the unlearn it gives you a glimpse of truth but the the point is is to integrate that truth into your daily life and yeah. that doesn't mean you know but walking around on mushrooms all the time yeah it's more like no there's the mushrooms gave you a glimpse of truth it's not the mushrooms that are the truth it's the truth you know and then integrating that into your life on a normal basis yeah so it's interesting that um there's that there's that saying many roads one journey uh to me that states that there are a number of routes that one could walk on, that one could consciously and intentionally um, step into and enter into, that could help one keep expanding into greater levels of wakefulness. So where does one go, you know? Is it the Sufi way? Is it the is it the Christian way? Is it the Taoist way? Uh, and how does one determine, you know, whether there's a legitimate proven path? Yeah, I don't know if you can determine a legitimate proven path, but you do have to go with your natural flow of how you perceive when you start to sense that just more alertness more awakeness as opposed to other areas and that doesn't mean the other areas don't work it's just not working for you and uh this is trial and error in a way you know you try different methods and one method's gonna click for you and then you start wandering down that path you know, and um, the nice thing is I came at this through the philosopher's path. So we're we're kind of in everything. Um, and uh, yeah, you leave you guys leave no stones. <laughs> right. And we're we're kind of seeing where each one goes. And and in a way, no matter if you pick a religious path, um, we're there. Or if you pick an atheistic path, and we're there too. So we kind of are familiar with what's going on and what the steps, the next steps are. 
Um, not all philosophers, obviously. A lot of philosophers are still on the journey and everything else. Philosophy is a way. Um, but then again, once you get there, you kind of see how you can get there everywhere from any path, right? Um, and it just, uh, just makes, it just requires the right framework, not the right view. And, uh, and, uh, once you get the framework that goes, oh, this works for me, you know, and then all of a sudden you see, you see what uh, the Christians call the narrow path, right? And then you just kind of slip out of it. (laughs) Yeah. And and everybody's going to find their own way on the way. If we call it that, the way, not that the way is one specific path that's the only way to, you know, liberation or enlightenment, but as I understand it, the way is simply referring to what is. So you can't change what is. So finding one's own One's own manner of engaging and coming back to the way is important. And you mentioned earlier, too, um, you know, the importance of, of a, like a companion guide. Yeah. A living person who, you know, can, can walk with you in some manner or another for at least a part of it. Because if... If you look at all of the universal stories and myths throughout religion and mythology and all of the wisdom traditions, it seems like um, there's always a guide of some sort. Dante had Virgil. Yeah, Dante had Virgil. Um, There's... Obi-Wan Kenobi, there's there's, um, the good witch Galinda for Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Right, yeah, that's a good one. And, um, yeah, so can can somebody wake up without one? Well, sure. I mean, why not? It's harder. (laughs) But it it does seem like there's greater efficiency in in the process if one does it. With somebody who has a sense of, you know, what the journey or what the process is about, you know, it's not like somebody can tell you what to do or, or they're gonna, they're gonna help you wake up. It's more like walking with you and being a strong mirror back to yourself, so you can see when you're fooling yourself. Yeah, it's. Um Look, I, I came to the awakening state uh, sort of by myself. It was I read a lot of books, um, but other than the books, I, it was just me. And as I look back on it, there were numerous times where I could have fallen off the edge. You know, it could have led to easily led to like suicide or something along those lines. Um, and I made it through, and that's all great and grand and everything, but man, if I had a guide, that would have been a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, yeah, it helps. And we're going to have another conversation specifically to 
what is what is the function of a guide or how does yeah. one find or discover a guide or you know it's not like necessarily credentials one has other than they've walked the walk they've arrived they've had somebody yeah it's not like you know they've gone to the destination yeah it's more like um i remember ram das said you know we're we're just all walking each other home yeah so somebody's going to be further ahead others are going to be just starting the process we're all going to be in different places on it but um some have found it, and they're just coming back to get you to get back with them. Yeah, but the importance, I, I really think, is that in working with somebody, they're going to continue to challenge us to keep walking the walk with intention, with commitment, yeah. and keep following and and having direct experience of the present moment be that which is the yeah you know the the experience that is available you know the nice thing is with a guide what they're able to do is when you you sit down and you start telling them all the tribulations of your life uh they bring you to the moment through that through yes. those tribulations. They don't go, skip it, don't think about it. They they actually show you how these tribulations have taken over your mind, uh, that they've grabbed your attention, they've made you fall asleep, and then they work through it with you back to the awakened state and then hold you there so that you figure out how to get back is the yes. idea. And ultimately the goal is um, to make it where you really... You don't need a guide. You may need uh, fellowship, but you you might get to this point where you just don't need a guide. Yes. Yeah. I think the ultimate uh, guide is going to be one who brings another along, companions with them, until they can really just step into it on their own, and then the guide is no longer needed. The goal is to not need you know the guide any longer yeah that's my bad business plan to make myself unnecessary <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so so dante is saying to virgil okay looks like we we go here in next and virgil says no at least i'm thinking of you know dante and virgil in the uh you go there divine right? comedy yes <laughs> this is as far as i go with you virgil said you see that wall of flame ahead that's the threshold that you get to cross on your own. And he does give him a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a general outline of, of what that is. It's like, yeah, when you cross through that, it's, it's, a, it's a fire that burns but does not consume. Yeah. And he's, he suggests that it's going to alter you significantly, but this is the threshold that nobody else can go through with you. So... We've gotten to this point, go forward, you're on your own, here's the crucible moment, here's your stepping, and that, to me, really distinguishes somebody 
who is on a conscious and intentional walk of waking up to somebody who's maybe doing, uh, you know, continuing to do personal growth or um, the distinction is there are specific thresholds that I have to cross over to keep losing this sense of self. You know, it's, it's a very specific, I mean, again, if you look at the major wisdom traditions and religions, um, they all point to that in many, many of them point to that in specific and yeah, yeah, and then there's other ways. degrees of that, I guess, and we don't, I don't like degrees as much because it makes it sound like, you know, someone's higher than the other or something like a hierarchy and where there isn't one. Um, it's really, it's really a process of disidentification with the ego and then the new identification with everything and, uh, and, uh, kind of just bringing you to that. And then what happens really is that identification with everything becomes more integrated into everything you do until that's the only thing that follows and then you know everything else is just an activity to meet some sort of end um but ultimately it's all about being it's mm -hmm. all about god or buddha or um allah or you know it's it's the same word yeah <laughs> you know the source the and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's beyond words yeah and uh if if you've heard the opening podcast of World Awakening, I mentioned that in reality, this process of waking up is beyond words. It's uh, it can't be encapsulated. It just has to be experienced directly. One has to keep trying to come back to the present moment as with as much attention and and focus and presence as you can bring in each moment and then what happens from there often is beyond words i mean it really there's it's hard to describe is that love oh maybe is that um christ consciousness yeah perhaps is well, that's that, what uh poets do right that's, that's what the, poets definitely yeah, they try do to, to describe what can't be described and yes and once you understand that you kind of understand poetry at that point yeah yeah speaking of poetry i i have some right in front of me here one of them one uh you know i don't even know if this would be considered poetry necessarily other than um it was written by martha graham who was a uh, an American dancer and choreographer. And she also was like a, uh, a uh, ambassador for the arts and culture. She, she lived in the United States, but she went to many other countries as an ambassador for the arts and culture. But she's written a number of things and uh, this particular one really struck me when I first read it. And so 
I think we'll just uh, finish off today's conversation with this Martha Graham quote and, um, and leave it there. So, Martha Graham says the following words. There is a vitality, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action, and because there is only one of you in all time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and be lost. The world, then, will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good, nor how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. You do not have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep open to the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. There is no satisfaction, whatever, at any time. There is only a queer, divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive. One of many compositions and uh, poetic writings on, I, I, you know, I think that just describes what the invitation is in waking up. The invitation is just be that open and clear channel in the world that is only possible through you in that unique manner. Just be that because in waking up, really, it's not just for our own enjoyment and pleasure. It's to gift something back to the world. Agreed. So... Good to have you with us today. There's always more podcast conversations that we're doing. Um, they're, they're on our site. Continue to look. Invenerygr.com. I-N-V-E-N-I-R-G-R.com. And you'll find it on there. And uh, again, we are World Awakening we are the ones we've been waiting for. Until next time, be well. <laughs>